Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. Exodus 12, I'm going to jump around these scriptures just a little bit, so stay with me. We're going to play pin the tail on the verse. (laughs) In verse 3, he said, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying in the 10th day of this month, they're going to take unto them every man a lamb. Every house needs a a lamb. Verse 4 says, and if the household be too little for the lamb... The lamb will never be too little for the house, but the house may be too little for the lamb. Take it according to the number of the souls. Theologians seem to remark that that's about about 10 people for that Passover feast that's going to be taking place. Your lamb's going to be without blemish. We know that, a male, the first year. Verse 7, they're going to take the blood, and they're going to strike on the two side posts and on the upper doorposts of the house wherein they shall eat it. And then they're going to eat the flesh. They're going, to, they're going to roast it with fire. Then it goes on. Some of y'all wouldn't like this in verse 9. He said, don't eat it rare. Sorry. He said, cook the blood out of it. Don't boil it in water. Roast it in the fire. Jump over verse 21. Moses called for all the elders of Israel. He said unto them, draw out and take you a lamb. Take it according to your families and kill the Passover. Take a a bunch of hyssop and, and dip it in the blood that's in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that's in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood... Upon the lintel and the two side posts, the door, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come in to your houses and smite you. I'll stop reading there for the sake of your time and standing, but I want to I talk to you about what we need to be doing before we feast, okay? Before we feast this week, what we've got to make sure that we're doing. I want you to throw your hands, if you will, one more time towards heaven with me. And I'm asking every person to pray. I'm going to turn my microphone off. I want you to pray. Okay. I want you to lift your voice. Everybody that knows how, lift your voice out loud and pray over our next little bit together. Praise God.
Amen. Amen. Turn to a couple people around you and tell them. Need to do something before you feast. Need to do something before you feast. And then you can be seated. Need to do something before you feast. And I don't mean fast so that you can eat more. (laughs) I've been in situations where we had scheduled to eat at a really good restaurant that night. And so, Brother Kevin, I didn't want to eat all day. Just saving room. Not long enough that my stomach will shrink. Just long enough so that when I get there, I'm good and hungry. I will walk in slightly edgy. (laughs) But I'm going to walk out completely satisfied. Everybody here probably has pre-Thanksgiving plans. You have different family plans. Some of you cannot wait to be with family. Some of you cannot wait to avoid family. Oh, that got too much response. Some of you like to watch the game. Some of you like to play football at some point this week. Trying to rope me into playing in something they call the turkey bowl. I don't know how I feel about it. I'm more more in the referee stage. Hit him, hit him. In our text in Exodus chapter 12, we're talking about one of the most significant portions of the Old Testament. It is again something that we oft speak about early spring. After we've began the new year and we're easing towards Easter and the celebration of the resurrection, we oft talk about Passover. But if you will... Give me allowance today. I would like to discuss this feast. I know that there are many feasts that we could draw from. My problem, Brother Brown, is this is the one the Lord won't leave me alone about. This one is tied to application on the door. Come to the house and feast. Now we... We spent last month, we spent October talking about the house and I set up tables and I'm, I'm not going back down there. Today I don't want to talk about your table as much as I want to talk about this, this door, this entrance. Have you ever had someone at your front door ready to come inside your house and you're finishing hiding the last few items They're at the door. Throw that in the closet. And then they walk in your house and you have the supreme audacity to say something like, I'm sorry we didn't get a chance to really clean up. You have to forgive our mess. You know your house hasn't looked that good in months. You need... You needed to order a dumpster just to get rid of stuff. Sorry, we didn't have more time. 
if only we would have known you were coming than the last 364 days. <laughs> Preparation for the feast. Preparation for what is coming. Who has not done your grocery shopping yet? Don't lie. Be honest. Raise your hand. It's going to help you. Not that many. Some are very nervous to raise your hand like you're going to be judged. This is a judgment-free zone. Take their name stamp. <laughs> Who's got all your shopping done? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, it's really a mixed bag in here. It's really a mixed bag of procrastinators and overprepared people. I'm somewhere in between. I'm... I'm I've, I've done nothing and plan on doing nothing. I do plan on eating. I told my wife several years ago, this works out great. You're a tremendous cook and I'm great at eating. So this is a wonderful thing. Preparation matters. It really does. Preparation matters. Because if you've ever done Thanksgiving somewhere else, I have a vivid memory of a Thanksgiving where I just expected that there would be some of that cranberry sauce to go on the stuffing. Now, if you don't like to put cranberry sauce on your stuffing, that's your problem. If you want to live in that world, live in that world. But in my world, that's wonderful. Okay? In my messed up palate, that's fantastic. But I was at, and I don't even want to say who in case they're watching, I'll have family members texting later like, was that it? Just, you know who you are. <laughs> and I'm looking around. Where's, um, where's that uh, purpley, ready, uh, cranberry? Where's the, oh, I don't think there is any. <gasps> What's that? We didn't, we didn't make any. You don't have to make anything. It's in a can. It's just, <laughs> if you're like me, it was never real cranberry. It just put that on the. <laughs> you know, woo, you know what I'm talking about. Take a little slice of that manufactured goodness. Lay that right on top of that stuffing. That's classy right there. That's classy. People in the room are like, I thought he was better than that. <laughs> but there was none. I tried to hide. Sister Hout, I tried to hide my disappointment. But it messed my whole... You can't substitute gravy for cranberry. You can try. But in a good world, you get both. So I teased with you the other night. I told you my wife was asking me some last-minute items to add, and we added all kinds of stuff to the list. We have traditional and non-traditional stuff that's joining for our Thanksgiving, if at all. I don't know if she can even, I don't know if she'll buy all the stuff that, that, we, that we put on that list. I need you, if I can just talk to you real quick, just time out. I need you to get all that stuff that I told you, because I'm looking forward to some of that. 
It's about feasting and it's about family. It's about time being together. The Israelites are living in a situation, ladies and gentlemen. They, they, they are in a spot they don't want to be in. They are slaves to Egyptians and the Lord has given a promise. Now, just because it's Thanksgiving week doesn't magically make your problems go away. It's a good distraction, but if you had problems before Thanksgiving week, it's not like the calendar turns a page and all of a sudden, bring, problems are gone. You're still going to have those issues. Now watch this. They have got a promise from God. Everybody shout a promise from God. They've got a promise from God, but they are not living in the time of fulfillment yet. Brother Sluice, they have been promised by God for deliverance. The problem is they are still in bondage. Multiple plagues in. Isn't that something? At some point, doubt creeps in. It's just natural. I'm dealing with this doubt because I'm dealing with these plagues and nothing's happening. How are you going to hold us after the river's blood? How are you going to hold us after there's frogs everywhere? How are you going to keep holding? Imagine the lice plague. Let us go. No. Let us go. There's going to be frogs everywhere. We'll have frog legs. You're not going anywhere. This is, this is the last straw, Brother Mathis. This is, the, this is the big one. The Lord gives instruction. Every man a lamb. Every household get a lamb. And he gives specific instructions. We know it as a type and shadow to the New Testament. We know now from this side of the text that when we're reading in Exodus about a lamb for a house, that it was the type and shadow for a lamb that was coming that John would declare, Behold! The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But long before John's declaration, the stuttering servant had a declaration. Every house needs a lamb. Whether it was Moses or whether it was John or whether it's Josh Carson at Calvary Tabernacle, that principle holds true. Every family needs the lamb. Every house needs a lamb. And so we find the, we find the declaration, how could we, how would we, how should we 
Those who have been in slavery. Those who fight for every scrap we have. Those who live feeling destitute. We're in Egypt. We watch them feast on abundance while we ourselves work ourselves to the bone. And we have almost nothing to show for it. How could it be God's will that we kill a lamb? We never talk about this portion because we romanticize knowing what it means in type and shadow. But put yourself in the, in the shoes of an Israelite in this place. Put your shoes in one of the children of God while we're deep into the plagues and nothing has changed. And now you want me to kill a lamb. Why don't you stop making promises if God's not going to come through? I'm going to tell you a reminder here this morning. His timing and your timing often take quite a while to match up. He's dealing with a Pharaoh who has bought into the custom and the social ideology of the day. Pharaoh himself was under the unction that he was the I am. He had God status. And so when Moses delivered the words, the I am hath sent me, it was in direct conflict with the paganism of the day. I feel like we're there right now. We're in direct conflict. We are countercultural to everything that the world has set up. But Moses told the people, and we read here early in, the, in the, the, the chapter 12 of Exodus that he announced it to the congregation. Everybody should get the chance. Sister D. Giovanni, not just for you, not just for Brother Di's family, but your children deserve the chance. Now, if you won't do what it takes, it's on you, but I'm going to give you the chance. If, if you want your family to be saved, because this last plague, it's a doozy. I'm not talking about the irritants of lice. I'm not, I'm not talking about making you wish you were dead. I'm talking about kill you dead. I'm talking about firstborn of the family and firstborn of the beast are going to die. Not symbolism. Well, I don't know if they're really... No, they're going to die. Really going to die. And so they were charged to take a lamb. Without spot, without blemish. There's this great thing in Leviticus that you can read about, and I don't have time to thoroughly flesh it out, but the difference between a sacrificial lamb and a free will offering. A free will offering is something you could bring with scurvy. You could bring it. It could have a little bit of a, a, a dis, disformity. It could have something a little bit wrong with it for a free will offering, but not for a sacrificial offering. And so there really always is a difference between what we offer God there's this difference. Do I want to bring something that makes me feel better or do I want to bring something that actually covers the cost? Layman's terms, I would be saying, do you want to give him your best or partial? They seek out this perfect young lamb. They bring it. The sacrifice has to happen. This is a residential occurrence. That means their family was involved. I hate, I hate to even say this. But we got some people in here who you've got, you got animals at your place. I'm going to put my hand over while I say this. You got pets, 
farm pets. Got a little lamb named Lucy. Kids, let's go feed the lamb, Dad. Uh, can't feed Lucy today. Some of you think that's funny. Some of you think that's morbid. I don't know. Probably the same people that don't like cranberries. I, I. It was not just for dad. It was the whole family to be engaged in this process. What are you talking about, pastor? I'm saying everybody in the family knew if we're going to be saved, something's going to die. If we're going to live, a lamb is going to die. If when the death angel, well, what's the history, Dad? Tell me about another time this happened. Tell me about the story. Did your, did your dad tell you? Did your grandpa? No, I got to trust. It's a new thing in a new season. But we got to trust the word of God even when we've never seen it before. They kill the lamb. They, they shed the blood. But the interesting thing about it is they were not just to kill the lamb. They were to do something with that blood. What were they supposed to do? Somebody shout at me. Does this seem gruesome to anybody else? Even though I know you've heard about it since you were in a diaper. If you just stop and think about it, can you imagine for this week killing the turkey yourself? And when you get done, there's a great story about killing a chicken at men's retreat. I'm not going to go into that. This is a few years back. We'll let Brother Houck tell you about that. Can you imagine you have to do... And then, please, help me humanize this just a little bit. And then, you go to the front door of your house. Hey, Jim. You know what your neighbors are doing? Get in the house. Get in the house. Call it. Call it. What's the number for 911? Call it. <laughs> we talk about it so just so surface like it's no big deal that everybody was rubbing blood. On the doors. You know that time when they like killed lambs and put blood all over Anywhere outside the word of God. Brother Rodenbush, that's bizarre. But I could walk you through this whole Old Testament and show you a bunch of stuff that's bizarre. Your call to live for God has never been about logic. They weren't called to do what was logical. And if they were, they would have already been able to tell you, sacrifice is nothing new to us. I've watched them spill the blood of men like it was nothing. So if this will save me, if this will save my family, if this will cover my house, if this will keep my boy alive, 
If you think I'm going to feel awkward about taking the hyssop and putting it over there, when he comes by this house, I want him to know we weren't worried about how we looked. We weren't worried about whether it was awkward. I want him to know we are covered in the blood. I want him to know we believe the word. We believe in the we believe in the voice of Moses. We believe in the power of God. I want Jehovah to know. I want him to know. I am not an Egyptian and I am not staying here. I want him to know. What if people say you look crazy? What if my son dies? You weigh the balance. You put that in the scales and you determine whether your ego matters more than your kids. Dad, what are you doing? Just applying the blood. Let me get an elder to help me in this room. How many remember growing up pleading the blood? I want any elder that grew up pleading the blood to stand if you're able right now. If you grew up hearing about pleading the blood, Here's what I know, Brother Clark. This is what I was taught. I know I, I'm only a 40-year-old man. I know that. But this is how I was raised in southern Illinois. If you got a situation, you can plead the blood of the Lamb. You can plead the blood over your mind. You can plead the blood over your heart. You can plead the blood over that backslidden loved one. You can plead the blood over your household. You can plead the blood. They were drawing it from Exodus 12 and they were drawing it from the Gospels because the blood of this lamb was leading to the blood of a spotless lamb. He was, yes, that, that lamb had to be without spot and without blemish, but there was a lamb coming that would be without any spot and would be without any blemish. His name would be above every name. He would be exalted on high. And woo! I got news for somebody that's never heard it. You can plead the blood. You're dealing with fear? Plead the blood. You're dealing with anxiety? Plead the blood. If you need your feast, the feast on that side of the door ought to be covered by the blood on this side. If you're going to feast well, something's going to die. If you're going to feast well, something's going to die. Here's what I'm choosing. I'm going to feast on the promises of God. I'm going to trust that his word is yea and amen. So here I am walking into Thanksgiving week. I've already started doing it. I knew where the Lord was leading me this week. I've been getting up saying, I plead the blood of Jesus Christ. I plead him over my family. I plead him over the ones that are living for God. And I plead him over the ones that are not living for God. I plead the blood of the Lamb. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. I know you want to destroy this church, but I plead the blood. I, you might not know this I walk through here Tuesday prayer praying over every instrument I plead the blood of Jesus I plead the blood of Jesus I plead the blood of Jesus I want the 
I want the destroyer to know they're covered by the blood. They're covered by the blood. You ought to throw your hands towards heaven right now. I know it was the blood. Somebody ought to shout it out. I plead the blood. Because, Brother Ross, what good is it if we feast tonight, but they're dead in the morning? My God, I feel like preaching right now. What good is it if we feast like this is just another meal, but our house has to join with the whale of the land? I've got newsflash for you, Calvary Tabernacle. From the youngest in here to the most aged among us, I got news for you. We are not like every other person. We are not like every other Egyptian. We are not like every... We are not. We are not like everyone else. We are in the world, but we are not of the world. We are temporary citizens. I preached it here three weeks ago on a Sunday night, and I'm going to remind you right now. Brother Shunk, I got to have the blood. Brother Ben, I got to have the blood. Brother Gargany, I got to have the blood. Brother Butler, I got to have the blood. I've got to have the blood of Jesus. Hayden, how can we talk about blood? Brother Barkus, we probably shouldn't talk about blood. Most of us haven't even had lunch yet. You woke up this morning, you'd have been dead if it wasn't for blood. Making up 7% of your body. Uh-huh. Life. From Cain and Abel, we learn life is in the blood. He said, your brother's blood, Christ. It's in the blood, it's in the blood, it's in the blood, it's in the blood. If you lose too much blood, I've been in hospital rooms with men praying where the doctors come in and if they don't do a blood transfusion in the next few minutes, they're going to lose them because they're going to bleed out. I don't know how... I don't know how critical it really is. I'm going to tell you, when God was determining this, when God was setting this up, when God was establishing this, He understood the critical nature of the blood. He was not intimidated to let them know something is going to die. You've got about 12 to 14 pints of blood in your body right now. Even a newborn baby has over a cup of blood when they first draw their breath. If you're, if you're in this house, the only reason you're here is because you've got blood inside you. But I'm I'm going to tell you, if you're going to make it through this week, you're going to have to have the blood over you. My, 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 I feel, I feel something in this place. There is no substitute for human blood when it comes to donation. They can donate and they can try to do, they, they've done all kinds of surgeries with all kinds of other animal parts. That's why some of y'all squeal every now and then. Your blood carries oxygen and nutrients to the body. It carries the waste products to the kidneys and the liver for disposal. It fights against infection and it helps heal the wounds all through this COVID pandemic. You know why they've been calling for donors? We need blood! Because blood will help us fight the infection. And if you can give us some blood that's already beat the disease. If you can give us some blood that's already stood the test and built up some antibodies and been through it but made it, we'll take some of that blood and we'll introduce some of that blood and some of that plasma into the life of somebody that's in the middle of a fight. 
I got news for you. The blood I'm talking about this morning is not the blood of a lamb in Exodus 12. The blood I'm talking about is the blood that the writer in the gospel said, you were purchased with the blood of the lamb. It's, it's the blood, Brother Losh, that gives me strength from day to day. What that old writer say? And it never lose its power. Ha! Huh. What did he write right here in this city? Wasn't it right here in this city where he said, I see a crimson stream of blood and it flows from Calvary. Uh, what, what, what? Blood. Blood. I'm talking about blood over your mind. I'm talking about blood over your babies. I Listen, I've got stories of friends who were not living for God who said they would wake up in the middle of the night to their mom laying outside their room. Doing what? That's exactly right. Said I'd wake up and she'd be just outside. You know, you got that little crack under your room so parents can try to spy. You need that little. It's the spy, spy crack. Said I woke up middle of the night and I could hear her out there. Because when you get lost in prayer, you forget that you're even praying. I mean, you, you don't, you don't care. I might not embarrass you in front of your friends, but I'm going to carry you to the throne. And she said, I woke up and mom was out there outside. I plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. I pleaded over her mind. I pleaded over her body. Because when you're not living right, I can't pray blessings on you. Mm. We get confused in this. God, I want you to bless them. No, you don't. I'm not going to pray blessings on you because I'm not going to fight the curse of praying a blessing on somebody that don't want to live for God. But I will tell you what you can do universally across this room. Just like, oh, negative, that, that, that universal donor. Let me tell you what, everybody in this room can become a blood donor. <laughs> Freely, I've been given. I've been given of a grace that I did not deserve. I've been given application of a blood that I could not earn on my own. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to walk to my house this Thanksgiving week. And I'm going to say, I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead it over my home. I plead it over my children. I plead it over my family. How many of you are going to have people walk in your house this week that are not living for God? They ought to have to walk through a door that's been covered in the blood. They ought to have to walk in a door of a house that's... You got power in you to plead the blood. You got ability in you. What are you talking about? I'm talking about before you feast. We're going to sit down to eat with blood on the door frame. Uh-huh. Isn't it all about games and turkey legs? No. Only reason we're thankful is because he found us. We're thankful because he reached to us. We're thankful that he picked us up. We're thankful, Brother Vitae, that he turned us around. We're thankful that he saved our families. Can you... Ah, uh, can you imagine the wail 
When mamas woke up, when daddies were stirred, I know it's graphic, I know it's horrific, but it's scripture and we need to know it. (laughs) On the other side of every door that was not covered in the blood, there was a dead firstborn. They didn't have to open the door. The cries were coming from within the homes. The problem is, the cries came from inside homes where there was no cry of a lamb on the outside of a home. And when you refuse to apply the blood to the outside, you better be ready to deal with the consequence on the inside. It was terror. There is no part of me, even as gruesome as they were to those people, there is no part of me that relishes the thought of some Egyptian mother. Pastor, you got to think about how they treated those people. They were raised to treat them like that. Racism is learned. Prejudice is implanted. You're not born a racist. Jesus help me. You're not born prejudice against those people. They grew up from the time they were children with that being embedded into their mind. There's no part of me that relishes in the thought of some Egyptian mother walking into the bedroom. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no part of me that relishes in the thought of us being saved while others are lost. Don't get me wrong. I I thank God for the blood. I thank God that I know. I thank God. But I want everyone to know before you feast, apply the Before you feast, give thanks to the Lamb. Before you gather around the table, and just because you got family members there that don't live for God or don't believe in prayer, don't you substitute who you are. Don't you substitute who you are. Well, I didn't pray because I didn't want it to be awkward. You don't care how people see you when you got blood on the door. Because we're talking about a blood. 
We're talking about a blood that is critical. Hebrews 9, 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? 1 Peter chapter 1. For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. First John chapter 1 verse 7 it cleanses us from sin. If we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin. How about I know what that first John tell me what the revelator said. Revelation chapter 1 and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests unto God his Father and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying thank God for Thanksgiving week. But before we feast, every family member that walks in, I don't want any of them to be lost. We gotta live. We have got to start living like he's coming. Can I say that? I know that. I'm preaching about pleading the blood, and I know that's old, but Bishop, I... Brother Rodenbush, we got to live like he's coming. It's how I was raised, my elder. I just... At any moment, and I want him to look at my house and know that's a house covered in the blood. Stand with me. Stand with me. Stand would you throw your hands towards heaven right now and would you, would you call on the name of the Lord Jesus? Woo. This is a very special appeal right now. Some of you, you you're, you're, this is burning in your heart while I'm talking because of family members that are coming. If you feel compelled, I want you to come down to this altar and I want you to begin to bleed the, bleed the blood. This is not for everybody, I understand that, but for some of you, you feel compelled right now. I need to plead the blood over my family. I need a public moment of coming to this altar and saying, I plead before I feast. Before I feast, I've got to plead the blood. The lamb has already been slain. The lamb has been slain, but I've got to plead it. I've got to plead him over my cousins. I've got to plead the blood over my aunt, my uncle. I've got to plead the blood over my grandparents. I've got to plead the blood. I'm pleading the blood from the patriarch. All the way down to the youngest child. Come on, those of you that come around this front, I want you to lift your hands. Some of you have been distressed by family situations. 
Some of you that are still in the congregation, you're overwhelmed because this Thanksgiving, you don't even have family really to share it with. I want you to throw your hands towards heaven and I want you to begin to plead the blood over your life.